sqpn.com presents The Secrets of Angels and Demons. Hello and welcome to another episode of The Secrets of Angels and Demons. I am Father Roderick and I'm here in the Vatican. I'm actually on St. Peter's Square. If you visualize the square, I'm uh, standing right underneath the, the big fountain on the right side of the square, not far from uh, the papal headquarters, the, the big building where you have the, the, the rooms where the Pope usually works and studies. And uh, in front of me is the glorious site of St. Peter's Basilica, um, the beautifully restored facade and, uh, and of course this huge square designed by Bernini, one of the artists that is, uh, I think, uh, kind of the hidden uh, character in uh, the story of Angels and Demons by Dan Brown. Now, we will go over um, the events of uh, the story of Angels and Demons by visiting the same locations that you will see in the book and in the movie, as far as possible, of course, because some of the locations just simply don't exist, at least not in the way that uh, Dan Brown presents them. So we, we cannot go to all the like cavernous spaces that he explores or you know the hidden secret passageways. Uh, not all of them are accessible and some of them are just plain, plainly not there, at least. Uh, you know, not as we see them in the movie. Um, so I'm starting uh, this episode of The Secrets of Angels and Demons on the same location uh, where the movie starts, which is right uh, here on St. Peter's Square um, during the events of the death of a very popular pope. The pope has died um, after, I think, in the story, a 12-year reign. It was a very popular pope, not unlike the... Um, uh, the reputation of, of John Paul I, so John Paul II's uh, predecessor, very gentle, friendly man, but after 12 years, um, he died, um, I think in the story, it's because of a stroke in his sleep. Uh, again, not, not unsimilar to uh, what happened to John Paul uh, uh, I, who also died of a heart attack in his sleep. And so um, the, uh, the story opens Unlike the book, which starts off with the character of Robert Langdon getting his, uh, his uh, mysterious visitor from the Vatican imploring his help. Um, in in the, the movie, they moved these events around a little bit. So they start here on St. Peter's Square. The Pope has just died. And of course, the world is in shock. And, uh, and, and we see one of the first uh, acts that, that is carried out by the Camerlengo, the uh, character of Patrick played by uh, Ewan McGregor, and um, his first action in the movie is to destroy a ring. As you know, Dad, I'm hurt. The Holy Father is dead. What about Il Camerlengo? The Camerlengo is just a priest here, the former Pope's chamberlain. Now, you, you may wonder why they chose that as the opening scene. It's hardly a very spectacular but actually, it is, it's quite correct. That is one of the first things that happens when a pope dies. It is the so-called fisherman's ring, which is a unique ring uh, made specifically for each new pope. And of course, it is a, a ring that goes back to the times that the pope had to sign uh, you know, the official documents and seal the documents with his, um, 
well, his stamp of approval in a certain way. Um, and so they, he, would, he would use his ring uh, to, to indicate and to, to mark these documents as belonging to the Pope and coming from him as a, as a, um, a seal of authenticity. Of course, nowadays, in these modern times of modern communications, the ring itself is not used for that purpose anymore, but that's the origin of the ring. And so it's, it's logical that that ring is, uh, is unique for every pope, because you don't want anyone else to use that ring after a pope has died to kind of, uh, you know, introduce new edicts or new laws by the pope, uh, you know, using that ring to authenticate these documents even though the Pope is already dead. So it's to, to uh, uh, prevent any form of abuse of that uh, papal sign of approval, that sign of authenticity, that the ring is destroyed. And, uh, and that is what you see. Um, uh, the Camerlengo uses uh, like these uh, silver hammers to, uh, to make a big cross um, on, the, on the ring itself and then just destroys it completely. And that, that, that kicks off the events of angels and demons. So the, the depiction of that is quite, uh, quite accurate. I'm not sure about the ring itself, if that has to have a certain form or shape, or uh, whether each ring is really, you know, has different symbols on it. Um, but, uh, but anyway, the destruction of the ring, that is definitely something that uh, takes place right after the Pope dies. Now, the, um, there are also a few of the things that you see at the beginning of the movie that are not quite correct. Um, first of all, the, the papal quarters, uh, in, in the movie they talk and in the book they talk about the office of the Pope, as if it's like the official workspace of the Pope. There, there is no such thing. Um, right now I'm looking at the, the quarters of the Pope. It's this big rectangular uh, building on the right side, just right side of, of St. Peter's Square, just behind the, the, these columns. And um, if you look to the upper floor, um, the, the windows on the right, the three or four windows on the right, those belong to two rooms that are often used by, by the Pope. It's also there where um, the, the Pope appears uh, on Wednesday sometimes or uh, at, at least on Sunday at noon to pray the Angelus and have a, a short speech to the crowd on St. Peter's Square. So if you ever uh, happen to visit uh, Rome, and you are in, in, in the neighborhood of, of, of uh, the Vatican uh, around noon, then uh, make sure you are at St. Peter's Square and you will see that the people are all facing to the right. Uh, they're looking up to that, that window, which is part of the, the quarters of the Pope. But there is no such thing as the office of the Pope. Uh, the Pope can study anywhere he wants. And actually, he, he, um, he moves around quite a bit because, of course, he has lots of different meetings, uh, different desks. Um, but uh, I think that, you know, th this idea of the office of the Pope comes from the, the, the same window that he always appears at during his, uh, his speeches. And so um, what happens when the Pope dies is that these quarters are completely sealed off. No one can enter those quarters, not even the Camerlengo. And so um, in the story, the Camerlengo uh, is Patrick, and I think his name in the book is different, but uh, they, they changed it, of course, because they had Ewan McGregor as, a, as an actor. And so they had to make it believable that he had this, uh, this Scottish accent. And so um, uh, in, in the story, Patrick is constantly in the Pope's headquarters, sitting there, shifting through papers and, you know, talking to people. And, and he almost 
uh, appropriate uh, or makes makes these quarters uh, his own. Um, so that is that is not um, <laughs> that is not correct because those quarters are sealed off uh, until a, a new pope uh, has been chosen. Now another thing that you see is. Um, the the funeral rites surrounding the death of the pope and i don't know if you remember the the the, the footage the television footage uh, during the death and the burial of uh, uh, john paul ii um, the, you can tell that the movie uh, was very inspired by those images and copied a lot of the stuff that you saw on television uh, and made it seem as if you know they have had been filming here on St. Peter's Square. Everything you see at the beginning of the movie, by the way, uh, on St. Peter's Square is all digital. It's it's you know they never filmed here. They couldn't. They weren't allowed. Uh, no one is allowed to film here. No, for for whatever reason it is. So that this was not an anti-Dan Brown. Uh, motion of the Vatican, but this is just a general rule. Um, they want to keep this a sacred space um, and, uh, and and not uh, like a Hollywood uh, set. And so, um, whatever you see at the beginning of the movie is is all digitally recreated, uh, a digital model of of Saint Peter of the Square itself. Even the crowd that you see is, of course, all uh, created in in the computer. So you see that they carry the the body of the Pope. Uh, on um, uh, you know, and he, he, he they carry it outside. Um, he he is portrayed in exactly the same way as we saw John Paul II when he was dead and was shown to the people one last time. And um, the only difference, because uh, I was here when that happened, I uh, I happened to be in the Vatican during the death of John Paul II. I I was standing right here where I'm standing right now while. Uh, they brought him outside of uh, the basilica to show his body to the public one last time. Uh, the, the, the difference with the movie was that in the movie you see a lot of flags. People are just waving flags and um, almost cheering. Well, I didn't see that many flags here. Uh, the, the, there was not a festive atmosphere at all. And, um, and, you know, you will see these flags during a general audience or when there's something to celebrate, but not when you go and say your farewell to, uh, to a pope who is deceased. So I thought that was a little bit uh, inaccurate. And the, but the rest of, of what they showed, I think that, that came pretty close to the real thing. Um, the only thing that I saw in, in the movie was that they made like this, this big circular tour over St. Peter's Square. Um, so there was this big circular road that went all, all across the, all, all around the, the obelisk. I can't remember that from the death of John Paul II, but anyway, that, that might be just, you know, something that they uh, chose to, they chose to visualize it like that, perhaps to make it a little bit more dramatic. And so, um, after the Pope has been shown to the public and, and you know, people have been, been able to, to mourn, uh, then the, the Pope is, is put on display uh, in the Basilica itself, in St. Peter's Basilica. And uh, you might remember as well uh, the, the the TV documentaries about how people would stand in line for almost 24 hours just in order to uh, to be able to walk past the Pope's body one last time, and uh, that that was one of the most impressive um, moments in in my life as a priest was to to be part of that whole event of the death of John Paul II and the extraordinary atmosphere. People from all over the world were here, uh, you know, more than a million people. And then afterwards also the, uh, uh, 
the, the election of, of Pope Benedict XVI. Uh, you know, I was here in the Vatican podcasting. It was the early years of podcasting and reporting. And uh, very much the same as I'm standing here right now doing these audio documentaries about angels and demons. I was doing the same thing at the time during the death of John Paul II. It was just very emotional. Uh, there was a huge sadness. And... Uh, uh, yeah, I, I have to say that when you watch the movie, you don't get that same feeling, you don't get that same experience, because of course the, the, the Pope who has died um, in the story, you don't know him, you don't know anything, you have never seen him in action, so uh, you don't have any you know, emotional attachment to, uh, to that Pope. Um, by the way, uh, the, um, we discover later on in the story, as you know, that the Pope has not died of a stroke in his sleep, but is actually has been assassinated. And I think that Dan Brown harkens back to the, um, the various conspiracy theories that have been constructed surrounding the, the quite sudden death of John Paul I. John Paul I has only been Pope for, uh, what is it, a month or so? Uh, just a very brief time. It was an Italian Pope, very popular, very friendly. Um, and, and his death came as a, a huge surprise. I remember I was still a kid and, um, and I, was, uh, I heard about the death of, of Pope John Paul I um, by my dad who came, you know, we were playing in, in, with Legos and, and my dad came to tell us that the Pope had died. And we were shocked because he seemed such a nice guy and we just didn't understand that something like that could happen. And, um, you know, and, and it's that suddenness of his death, uh, which, is, which is very tragic because, of course, you know, the world was, had high hopes with every new pope. You know, people start dreaming about the future and, you know, there's always a time of change and, 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 and excitement and then all of a sudden it's over. So uh, a few years after his death, um, people started theorizing and, and speculating, you know, what could, what could have happened and perhaps he was assassinated, perhaps he was poisoned with digitalis and uh, one of the theories uh, tried to find a, a plausible explanation in that uh, Pope John Paul I had ordered an investigation of the, the, the bank scandal uh, in which the Vatican was also implicated or seemed to be implicated and, you know, that, that people wanted try to prevent that from happening and, and that would be the reason that he was uh, that he was murdered well um, hi historically there has never been a shred of evidence of uh, of, of that assassination uh, or you know that 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 these that speculation kind of presumes and has almost uh, almost considers that to be a fact is that there is really no evidence at all no indication that that something like that has taken place but of course as you know nowadays you know <laughs> we have so many conspiracy theories and Dan Brown uses a lot of these conspiracy theories both in the Da Vinci Code but also in Angels and Demons um, as a as a plot device as a story device to uh, to set up an interesting intriguing plot and so uh, I think with uh, this whole discovery of the assassination of this pope that has died in the story, um, he, he kind of uses that, uh, that, that popular conspiracy theory about the death of John Paul I. Um, however, assassinations and attacks on, on popes, that is definitely something that has taken place in the past. Um, uh, of course, in, in, if you go back uh, several centuries, you will find s stories about popes having been murdered or assassinated. Um, but just as recent as John Paul II, uh, think of the assassination attack that happened here, right here on St. Peter's Square in 1981. Uh, 
they tried to kill him and we still don't know exactly what the reasons were behind it and and you know if this there was just this one guy who was involved or whether it was a, a part of a much broader plan um, and, and and so the you know it, it's not a very foreign thing in the history of the church and so uh, I can understand that that Dan Brown uh, tried to use that that element that historical element in his story as well to create a little bit of tension so um, another thing that we see is that uh, the Pope um, after his uh, after his death is uh, is buried in the catacombs in, in underneath uh, St. Peter's Basilica by the way in the story uh, there is a there's a, a glaring error <laughs> because Dan Brown talks about the Cathedral of St. Peter um, but St. Peter's uh, Basilica is not a cathedral it's just a basilica by the way you can hear the the bells in the background um, uh, the the uh, the real cathedral of the Diocese of Rome is St. John Lateran, which is in a completely different part of the city. And so St. Peter's is not uh, a cathedral, but a basilica. But So they bury the Pope, they put him in a sarcophagus, just barely, what is it, two, three weeks after his death. Well, that is, that is completely impossible. That would take years to construct a sarcophagus, to put it into place, and... Um, you know, it, it took, uh, I don't know, at least a year, I think, for Pope John Paul II's tomb to be, to be ready and, 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 you know, with uh, the marble plate on it and everything. And so for, uh, for, <laughs> for this Pope to have a, a complete sarcophagus in place, including flowers and everything, um, that would, would not be possible in the time span that is presented by, uh, by Dan Brown. Um, but again, that's, that's not the only factual little mistake that he makes. We'll discover many more over the course of this, uh, this series. And so um, that is about what I had as notes about the death of, uh, of this Pope and the way that Dan Brown talks about it. By the way, the reason that you don't hear um, the fountain on my right is that uh, they're currently being cleaned up. Um, you know, with the erosion of the water and also the the pollution in the air, um, th this is th these fountains are made of, of uh, pretty um, porous stone, and so every once in a while they just stop the water from from flowing and they clean them up, and that's what they're currently doing. And this one is already done; it looks brand new. And then they're working on the other fountain on the other end of the square. Now, of course, we will return to um, to St. Peter's Square later on. Since we follow the trail of um, Robert Langdon and his, and his company um, uh, across Rome, and so we'll we'll get back here on St. Peter's Square and talk a little bit more about you know what happens when the Pope dies, uh, how does it work with a conclave, who participates, um, what are the rules and regulations surrounding the conclave, what did Dan Brown portray correctly, and where did he use uh, his imagination to make up things. Um, so we will talk about that uh, later on. I think um, in the next episode we will, uh, we will talk a little bit about these secret archives because that is where Robert Langdon gets his first clues on where he needs to go in order to try to prevent the, the assassination of the four cardinals that have been abducted right after the death of the Pope. And um, he, uh, he 
has never had access to the secret archives of the Vatican. Um, but uh, in a move, in a, a very uh, a quick move by the Camerlengo, this Patrick, um, he, he does get access and that is in the secret archives, that is the place where he finds the documents, the ancient documents that put him uh, on the trail towards the Pantheon. And um, we will talk about the secret archives. Do they really exist? Why are they called secret archives? Are they the only archives? Is it really restricted like that? Um, what kind of, how does it, how do they look? Um, I can tell you a lot about that. We will do that in the next episode of The Secrets of Angels and Demons. But for now, let's wrap it up. Here on St. Peter's Square, I'm Father Roderick presenting this short series about the facts and fiction of uh, the story by Dan Brown, Angels and Demons. I hope you, I will see you next time. Go over to uh, sqpn.com for the show notes and links to more information. Um, and um, if you like this show, uh, why not leave a review on iTunes? I would highly appreciate it. Thanks for listening. Hope to see you next time here in Rome. I'm Father Roderick. God bless. SQPN, leading the way in Catholic new media.